Welcome, everyone, to episode five of the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My name is Brian. I've only been on one of these before this podcast, so in an effort to be relevant, because frankly, Chris and Eric have seen about ten times more movies than I have, we're going to talk about music today. We'll be talking about our influences, our preferences, our guilty pleasures. Welcome to episode five of the Magnificently Huge Podcast, Music. Hey, so this week's subject is yours, and uh, I believe it's, what is it? So this week we're going to try to talk about music. Um, I'll attempt to moderate. I'm Brian. Uh, with me, of course, is Eric, who does this for real, and Chris, who got it going with Eric, and I'm just a straggler. Nobody will know that in a year. After a year of doing this, we'll all be, you know, old hands at this and still have, like, three people listening, and we know all of them. They'll be us. Yeah. Plus, Brian, you're 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 more the uh, the wacky neighbor that we introduce uh, mid season to boost ratings. Oh, you're not quite the. So the, I'm like the add a kid. Yeah. You're not the kid. You're not I quite just, the kid yet. We're not that desperate. But I uh, just hope that this week the sound doesn't sound like I'm screaming through a saxophone because that one last week was fucking unendurable. I uh, I think I've got levels set. It isn't spiking in the red, so you know maybe. We're going to try. All right. right. Okay, so I uh, wanted to try and... We, we've all got, I think, at least from my perspective, uh, a fairly strong relationship with music in our lives, so I wanted to kind of get a sense of uh, our influences, where we're coming from, where we are now, where we've been, where we wish we hadn't been. Uh, so I wanted to start with a question. Um, an artist or an album or a song that resonated for you that came from your parents music collection oh huh like where did you start my dad had a pretty eclectic music collection i'll tell you what uh he got pink floyd's dark side of the moon when it came out on vinyl and i would listen to that anytime he would put it on it's still one of my favorite albums of all time uh, i don't know why i think i i, th- I think it formed my mind uh, I was impressionable enough that when I heard it that many times, um, it screwed me up real good. Plus, you were high. I was five. I, uh, everyone's high at five. Yeah. So literally, you were watching uh, Wizard of Oz while you had Dark Side on. <laughs> I've never tried that. Yeah. <laughs> you liar. You were five. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. Uh, what about you, Chris? Uh, well, what was in your parents' record collection? Uh, that's a stretch because my mom never really listened to music. Uh, and with my dad, th- this this is my memory because I would go see him for summers, uh, and we would drive around uh, the Rocky Mountain, the Cenotai, uh, and he had like a green Toronado with an eight-track player. And that was the the venue, uh, and I listened or was forced to listen to a crap ton of uh, John Denver. And, uh, <laughs> and so yeah, my mom was big into John Denver. Yeah, and That'll so even music, yeah. Well, even to this day, I still can sing along to stuff like Grandma's Feather Bed, uh, and he did a song for Jacques Cousteau called Calypso. That's this yeah. rousing uh, sort of. 
seafaring thing. Uh, it's just it's just stuck in my head, and I, I'm never gonna get rid of it. So that's that's where he started. Uh, so, so thanks, Dad. <laughs> Eric, your parents are way cooler than my mom, so <laughs> she didn't have any music worth listening to. She, okay, the Fifth Dimension, whatever. Neil Diamond, uh, she had some of that, but the one that stuck for me was a greatest hits album of Harry Belafonte's called Pure Gold. And what was what was fun for me about that was when Beetlejuice comes out in like 1988, there's a ton of Belafonte music in it, and every single track in the Beetlejuice soundtrack was also on Pure Gold. So I had it all memorized and then some, and I'm like singing along. And <laughs> you know, So for a lot of people, that's Beetlejuice music. For me, that's like, you know, being a kid in Kansas City. So, uh-huh. so basically, when uh, when the sound would play, you would be like the guy from Repo Man. I was into these guys before yeah. anybody. And people thought you were, yeah, you were really I was, cool. I was a hipster before it was cool. <laughs> yeah. You're so Belafonte, man. <laughs> That's just going to be the new hip. That'll be the new hipster phrase. That's so Belafonte. You know, I was thinking about this subject uh, all week and the idea of guilty pleasure. So I was thinking, it's almost impossible to have guilty pleasures anymore because there's some hipster out there who loves this shit and will talk your ear off about the Fonte. You just don't understand the Fonte, man. <laughs> he drops the Bella. It's just the Fonte. Mm-hmm. You're so hip. And then, of course, there's the Bella Fonte before he was famous, the Prefonte. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Tell me more in your culottes and your pork pie hat. <laughs> Hold on while I put up my man bun. <laughs> well, see, when you uh, had mentioned it, I, because uh, I still have all of my cassettes from uh, the cassette years uh, in their little tray, uh, just sitting here, and I can stare at it from time to time, and it's like a relic of the past. But I've got uh, one actual existing mixtape that I recorded off of the radio, uh, probably in like 1986. Six, I want to say, uh, and it's mm-hmm. it's got some doozies on there, so we can we can get. Let's to the, talk about that stuff that the radio brought to your attention. Uh, throughout the show, I'm just going to pepper in uh, tracks that are on here, uh, just just to kind of goose you a little bit, uh, and I'll just throw them in <laughs> randomly. So beware. Sure, why not? <laughs> So for me, the radio, there were two big influences on the radio. One was, of course, the Casey Kasem's American Top 40, uh, and the other was the Dr. Demento Dr. show. I listened yeah. to that every Sunday. Um, I was going to call out one song from Dr. Demento that, that made a strong impression was by a band called Syntax Error, and the song was called I Feel Like an Onion Ring. I may drop a clip of that in here later. But, uh, I don't remember that one. Obviously, oh, that was the one was like, am I crazy? Am I insane? Am I the victim of people doers out to destroy me? You don't know that one? Okay. But I'm sure I'll if, definitely I, send if, you a if, I, if I heard it... Um, yeah, I was always uh, fond of Tom T-Bone Stankus. Mm, the existential blues. Yeah. Well, not for that. And then the uh, the ABCs of Dead Russian Leaders. That was topical at the time. Uh, so Tom that was, that was Tim Cavanaugh. Was it Cavanaugh? See, Tom I get him. I, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, no, I know. I was just throwing yeah. in Tom Lehrer randomly. I don't think he did the ABCs of Dead Russian Leaders. No, but Tom Lehrer is, yeah. is a friggin' genius. Yeah, yeah, he's so Fonte. He is so Fonte. Yeah. <laughs> There's antimony, arsenic, aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen, and oxygen, and nitrogen, and rhenium, and nickel, neodymium, neptunium, germanium, and iron, americium, ruthenium, uranium. Europa, See, that's the thing. Somebody should have gotten a hold of the Unabomber early and just given him a piano, because it's the same level of genius, just directed correctly. <laughs> so you're saying that if we had given the Unabomber a piano, we would have gotten more Tom Lehrer songs? Yes, yes. Because, you know, that's... Uh, I, I think I think the Unabomber had his heart in the right place. He was just misdirected, you know? Too much Judas Priest. Yeah, that's what it was. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you ever read that you ever read that manifesto? He's not wrong. That's the that's the horrible part of the Unabomber. You read his manifesto and you go, Yeah, he's got a point. Well, he's here, got good ideas and bad methodology. Yes. See, for me, it's any anything that's actually got manifesto in the title, I tend to shy away from. So yeah, I I, 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 I just scan it for my name at that point. Yeah. <laughs> really? I just uh, <laughs> because it needs I just uploaded manifesto and not somebody else's. <laughs> yeah. I just uploaded and hit Control F and just search for my name. Yeah. I gotta say, as long as we're discussing scanning the radio when we were kids. Uh, because the 70s were really awful, especially uh, if you didn't have FM, because AM radio was still kind of c- commercial. And mm-hmm. I had an AM radio. I discovered ABBA that way, which is great. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, I also got poisoned by Olivia Newton-John. And I really, really fucking hate Olivia Newton-John, except... For the bits she did on the Xanadu soundtrack, because that's really ELO writing for her. Mm-hmm. Every time I hear "I honest you, honestly love you," I turn into the Hulk and I start killing people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, I, this is a great mental image now. You hulking out to the to the sounds of. Yeah, you know, that would be, that should be the next Marvel movie. Make a Hulk movie, but do it with just all the wrong music choices, you know? And uh, I, I honestly love you while he's just smashing the fuck out of, I don't know, uh, um, somebody. Guys. Make that the plot, like the villain is playing music to force <laughs> Banner to Hulk out. Yeah, they could right. actually just, just, just like uh, say Winter Soldier ripped off uh, Three Days of the Condor. Maybe the new Hulk movie with this theme uh, could just rip off something like Altered States. <laughs> we can just put we could just put him in the pod and just start blasting Olivia Newton-John until he like. <laughs> just a thought. Just a thought. I, I think I think we're onto something. Yeah. <laughs> But as far as the radio, because you mentioned you had AM, so I had the crappy little one-speaker uh, radio, and it was you didn't even have the full-on headset. You just had the little uh, earbud thing that you shoved into one of your ears, uh, uh-huh. and it was really uncomfortable, and you never got quite everything because it was just this tiny little thing. But I discovered around age seven, I guess it was, that there was a feature on the radio that I had where you could actually tune into the... Uh, the TV frequency, and so you could actually listen to uh, TV shows being broadcast over the air, 
And I always thought that, cool. yeah, I always thought that was amazing. And so I could sit in my room and I could like listen to chips or whatever, <laughs> and I wouldn't have to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you were amazing, and then you went straight to chips. <laughs> I was eight. Come on. <laughs> but the but you mentioned Olivia Newton John. The earliest memory I have of that radio though is uh, all the gold in California. Remember that song? I don't. All... I actually don't either. Oh, you'll you'll have to find it. It's the uh, the Gatlin brothers. All the gold in California is so, so neither of you have heard the Gatlin brothers song "All the Gold in California." Can't say I have. I do not remember it. No. Oh, all right. So you have to hum it, Chris. All right, we'll put it in, and then you'll know, and then you'll go, oh, okay, I remember that song now. Okay, wait, let's pretend like we know. Hold on. Okay, go. Oh, yeah, that! Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, and then I listened. can't believe you didn't like that. That's a classic. And then I would listen to John Denver and cry myself to sleep. <laughs> so, okay, that's the music we were assaulted with. How about you, Brian? Um, for me, radio, like I said, Dr. Demento was a big one, Top America's Top 40. I I was assaulted with uh, road trips. Like, we had to, every year we'd drive from Kansas City to, to Boulder. It's like a friggin' 12-hour drive, and we'd get the AM radio in the station wagon. So I remember, like, the year of the cat or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Every time the year of the cat comes on, I'm like, I don't know if Mike Myers did a dance to this, but he should have. And so I do it. The year of the cat? And just, just like, these arms and legs flipping around. And... I, I, for a while there, I, I couldn't distinguish between that singer and Neil Tennant of the, of the Pet Shop Boys. All right. Well, I'm gonna pretend that you've uh, you've you've played. I'm gonna pretend you played a clip now, and then I'll go. Oh yeah, that one. Because I I don't know that you're the cat, but it sounds really fun. I'm gonna hunt. I'll hunt around for the to see if Mike Myers did that song in one of those Wayne's World movies, but he should have. Uh, maybe it's a thing that Ming T might have done. We don't know. Uh. So um, each of us has an older sibling. Um, did it? Did the? Did they influence your music, your musical tastes at all? Yeah, yeah, but in in weird ways because my sister was, of course, all about the musical Grease, and uh, <laughs> and so I know the musical Grease. And the thing is, I appreciate the musical Grease. I think it's it's not bad, but I would not have been into it if I didn't have an older sister. If I had an older brother, I'd probably be into Led Zeppelin and junk. <laughs> what about you, Chris? I didn't really live with my brother growing up, so I I was pretty much on my own. Like he would, he had all his uh, police albums and things uh, in his room. This was like 1980, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. So I remember that. But I would go in when he wasn't home, and I would play Kenny Rogers. So <laughs> I have no, I have no uh, influence. It was like later in life when we kind of started to to kind of. Uh, converge on a more, uh, I don't know, even level that we were kind of able to pick it up. Uh, so he's th- he's thrown some bones my way. I think Blur, I, I found out about Blur through him, really, which was nice. Hmm. How about Ben uh, Folds 5? What's that? 
How about Ben Folds 5? Did you learn about that from him? Oh, no. I discovered that one on my own. Because it seems like in the 90s and, and early zeros, I learned most of my musical choices from you. So I was wondering if I was getting them from him. Uh, maybe one or two. Like Big Star, I think I learned from him. Uh, that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, but there was just a, a long gap. Because I was an unabashed uh, top 40 kid growing up. And it wasn't until right around the time that I met you guys that I kind of started branching out a little bit more and getting into things that weren't really getting top radio play. So my right. my whole musical view is just super skewed because it's like top 40 and then boom, uh, college radio, etc. cetera. Uh, so no, I I'm pretty much right there with you. Yeah. I don't remember any anything from the 90s uh, when I hear the, the XM station, the satellite radio. Like they, I, I'll flip it over and I'm like, I don't remember any of this, but I'll go to the 80 station. I'm like, oh, I know that one. Go to the 70 station. Oh, I know that one. I'm here in Phoenix, and I swear to God, the playlists have not actually changed since 1993. They've been playing the same playlist <laughs> since 1993, nonstop. It's the same fucking songs. I hate this town. I remember uh, um, uh, KDKB or whatever, one of those stations out in Phoenix. And they were always like, the hits of 60s, 70s, and 80s. And and then I listened last time I was there. I was like, the hits of the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, zero, and today. And it's basically just whatever crap is the yeah, lowest common denominator mushed together. We'll, we'll play, um, yeah, yeah, just... just. <laughs> We'll, well play you maybe, too, and then we'll play Olivia Newton John. I honestly love you. Well, it is Phoenix as well, so I imagine that there is one station that probably just plays nothing but more than words by Extreme. Um, probably. I don't listen to it, but yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, so for me, my brother, yeah, the Police was definitely a touchstone for him, but he was the one who introduced me to Oingo Boingo and the Smiths, so he kind of started me down. Um, that sort of alternative path. Well, how, uh, but the how, big one. Well, how did you ahead. find Depeche Mode? When did that one fall in? Um, Depeche Mode was the first girl I kissed. Um, she. Are you being? Are you? Are you, are, you of, are you being figurative? No, I'm. I'm being literal. <laughs> so you knew a girl <laughs> named Depeche Mode. <laughs> uh, yep. Bad. That's exactly right. I I made out with her. Bad no. fun. Uh, first girl I ever kissed was her name was Laura, and she gave me a copy of Black Celebration, which is one of my favorite albums to this day. Um, and when her parents weren't home, she gave you a Dave Gahan. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a there's a stupid joke about Dave Gahan and the way he would dance, and I remember when um, I feel you came out. Eric was like describing the dance to the to the music of I feel it's like it's the Dave Gahan the David Gahan and he'd like do the dance uh, yeah good times good times good times but the uh, one my brother introduced me to that I really wanted to call out was the English beat or to those across the bond the beat um, but uh, that so that early ska music stuff that was really my brother putting that in front of me well, see, I I got the the ska through like madness because they used to play that all the time on MTV. Uh, mm. But that literally was the only ska band you would ever see on MTV. So 
in retrospect yeah. that was kind of kind of weird. And uh, then or Fun Boy Three, which was really the three guys from the specials, and if you were bothering to do some digging, then you'd discover the specials. But they wouldn't play the specials. Well, there were really only three ska bands, and they were all kind of the same people, right? Like it was the specials, the beat, the special beat, the, and Madness. Yeah. Who, who really stands out? Um, okay, so that went nowhere. It was it wasn't um, rhetorical. You guys didn't answer. Never mind. Never mind. I'm sorry, but what's guilty about all this? Uh, I hadn't gotten to the guilty pleasures. I was trying uh. to just talk music in general let's talk about guilty pleasures okay. let's uh, shall we what are the things that you're unapologetic guilty pleasures things that to this day you don't give a shit this shit is fun right oh hollow notes i i think it's funny I'll just just real quick i sent you that clip of uh dave grohl talking about how there are no guilty pleasures you just like what you like and i think that's fair but i think one of the rules of a guilty pleasure should be you're actually embarrassed to like it like even to yourself you have trouble admitting it yeah i i don't know about even to myself but i'm not there are guilty pleasures i'm not sure i would uh enjoy talking like okay here's one um i can't wait by new shoes with a z <laughs> well that was an objectively but, but, terrible song but yeah, i love it but here's the thing is i don't fault you for that at all and i don't think you should feel guilty about that one because that comes on the radio i'll be driving around with nancy it'll come on and then we'll both wind up going and we'll go along with it you can't not so i don't fault you for that in any way shape or form that's just it that you you don't get to pick the songs that are like are gonna stick with your generation. Like our generation is stuck with Ice Ice Baby the way that teenagers today are gonna be stuck with Call Me Maybe. Yeah. Or Friday. Like these things just won't go away. And and I do I did yeah, I I I know so many people our age who talk about what shit Millie Vanilli were, but god damn it, somebody was buying those records and nobody is fessing <laughs> up. It's like somebody Are you liked that up now, stuff. Eric? No. Do you have something to tell us? That's definitely not in the guilty pleasures. But you know what I do think? If if they liked Millie Vanilli so much, why didn't the guy who was actually singing that stuff become a huge star? Because he was obviously somebody they wanted to listen to. Because he was fat. Yeah. <laughs> it's all marketing. Uh, well, as I look at this cassette that I'm holding... Uh, I, there's okay. There's some Mike and the Mechanics on here. I will just uh, fess up to that. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff from uh, movie soundtracks that were popular back in the day. Uh, mm, and, yes. Uh, like Man Size Love by Climax, which was in. Uh, Ooh. What was that Billy Crystal movie with Gregory Hines, where they were the two Chicago oh. cops? Scared straight or uh, uh, running scared? Uh, running scared. Running scared. Yeah, not the Paul Walker running scared, but the actual <laughs> running scared. Uh, right. And so that one was all over the place. That one in the uh, the Michael McDonald "Sweet Freedom." That's actually the leadoff yeah. track for this this cassette tape. Uh, so that's, that stuff that that was going to be actually my true guilty pleasure is uh, uh, yacht rock and specifically Michael McDonald. I. Uh, I, I, I mean, he was rock. the symbol of everything I despised for years and years, <laughs> and then I saw the yacht, the yacht rock web series, and I was like, 
oh shit, I think I like this music. And then after that, I was like, yeah, I like that. I like Doobie Brothers. I like Kenny uh, uh, Loggins. I like Michael McDonald. I'm not telling anybody this. <laughs> and here I am exposing and, myself. And yeah. and yet, and yet. Yeah. <laughs> my my wife still, she will yell at me. Like, she'll, I, I won't even know I'm doing it. I'll just be walking through the house going, Stop it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, that was like that whole <laughs> summer where we, we figured that one out. And so we would all walk around anytime we saw each other and we would just break out into the impromptu. <laughs> and that yeah that didn't yeah. get old at all did not get old at all no no that was fun but then you know god damn it i started listening to that music and going it's not bad Every now and then, there's there's a hit single, and and they all have the "We Will Rock You" beat the, yeah, right. So like, I'm a sucker for that apparently, because one of my one of my guilty favorite. I mean, there's "Rock Me Amadeus" is one of those. There's like a Katy Perry song that's one of those. But the one that I that I have to call out is "Let's Go All the Way" by Sly Fox. <laughs> that was just on the radio this morning, my friend, and you cannot beat it. Well, I'm not going to apologize. On, admit it; it's awesome. It is. I, right. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say any of this is bad. So far, you've not come up with one that I'm going to go. No, fuck you. I would never listen to that. You would. Ha- yeah. You would have to. Di- you would have uh, to dig super deep for me to go. Oh, fuck you. I would not. And listen Nazi to that. march music. I'm really into Nazi march music. <laughs> See, nothing. No, I'm with you. Okay. I'm with you. Hey, it's got a good Shit. beat. It's a trip. It's got a funky beat. I can bug out to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, stick that in your pipe and smoke it, Nazi. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I've. I've. Yeah. See, it's really hard to find something that's actually guilty. I. I. Uh, I can't think of any country music I particularly like. That would be pretty guilty. Oh, God. Yeah, uh, well, no, like modern I, country, I you'd have to do like country music. We'd have to do modern country for the sucky stuff. Yeah, Patsy Cline and Johnny Cash are fine, uh, but yeah, I, I can't think of any modern country where I go, yeah, yeehaw. What about music that you hated when you were younger, but you like now? Oh, oh. Ooh, that's a toughie. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough. So for me, there's some hair metal that fits that category. I was vehemently anti-hair metal but honestly i like me some def leopard i even you know i mean obviously i'm talking about the good hair metal like guns and roses i mean they said no it's not hair metal fuck you that was hair metal i i liked hair metal in like sixth grade junior high but then i just despised it because i was like this is actually just kind of soft rock loud you know and and some that's that's around the time I really got into punk rock when I realized that there was a musical genre that was nothing but aggression and adrenaline, and so I guess I guess I don't have any liking of that because 
I was like, you know what? If you're looking, if you're looking for thrash, there's there's something much better, uh, and that's actually why there's so much music now that I I feel weird about liking because it wasn't punk rock enough when I was in high school. Like, Michael talk McDonald. to me about how you got turned on to punk. Though, like, where did that? How did you get into that scene? Uh, I was. I discovered skateboarding and all the skateboard kids were listening to, you know, punk rock and thrash music. And basically I had the freedom to move around Tempe without needing a ride from my mom. And so we would go to Mill Avenue where all the head shops and record stores were. And there'd be cool people there going, yeah, this is what you want. This is good. Try this. And Because uh, you were like J- Jody Foster's Army and yeah. shit like that, right? Yeah, and and they were local. They were a local band. They were cool people. Um, but yeah, it was like it was more like there was a scene. It was you know the music was just part of the scene, and so I got into it that way. Um, and then somebody would say, "Hey, if you like this, you'll like that. This is kind of like that. Hey, try listening." You know, and so it was very eclectic. But uh, it's funny now. I, I, I all these bands are now on Amazon.com. And you can download their stuff, and <laughs> it's it's funny. I listen to it, and I go, "Yeah, I remember. I remember being that age and digging this, and I remember where I was." At the same time, I'm not as fucked up as I was as a teenager, so I don't have the same level of enjoyment. No, it's just noise. So, it's too like, loud. Uh, like for years, uh, you know. Dealing well, with so, it by DRI was one of my favorite albums. Now I listen to it and I go, "Yeah, I I can see why it's good. It's just you know I moved on. I'm old." So do you not listen to like the, any of the newer punk stuff like uh, Off and things like that? I will. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I keep an ear out for it all the time, but I really I like those bands that sort of take it and do something more with it. Like Blink One Eighty Two was fantastic because they were. You know, uh, they were a punker band, but they would play melodies. They would, they would yeah, change they things through. up. They go into minor keys. They do more than three chords, which is really all you know. Eighties punk rock yeah. was. I'm really upset that I missed them at the Fire Festival. Well, there, there was that whole Walmart punk thing, which was terrible, like Good Charlotte and shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, ooh. But this kind of sort of sidetracks into something else. You talk about parental influences and things like that, but then you think about mm-hmm. like when, you, when you're hanging out with your, your friends and your cohort uh, and what you sort of pick up on. And so for Eric, yeah. the, the one band that comes to mind uh, that I had never really listened to until I met him was the Dickies. And they're still mm. super, super fave. And I've, I've got like just... Pretty much any time I'm out record shopping, I'm like, oh, Dickies, ah, because yeah, they're really hard to find. The Dickies are fucking incredible. I mean, they they got <laughs> called punk rock largely because, you know, they they were in that scene and they would open for the Ramones, but they're like their own thing. They, well, the funny thing they is, were, they were amazing. The, the, the funniest thing I ever heard about them was something my brother told me, because he's a little older, so he had seen uh, some of the shows when they were still a thing. Uh, but the the lead singer for the Dickies apparently had this massive heroin habit, and so my brother always refers to him as the the fastest band on smack. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Oh God! I saw them live at uh, some some club on Mill Avenue in the '90s, and they were fucking hilarious. He he does this thing where he's like, "And now I will call forth Satan," and he, you know, they do like this whole comedy bit, and he comes out in like a devil costume and. He starts doing uh, the satanic communion and throwing Wonder Bread at the audience going, Domino Spiras, wish you were here as Richard Ramirez, and like does this whole thing. I'm like, they had a show. <laughs> they put thoughts into, sh- their thought into the show. Man, One of they the best would, live bands I've ever seen. They would have a really good kids show, wouldn't they? It'd be good. Yeah. Um, Dickie's so yeah. Jr., but the, so there's so there's Dickies for that so that's Eric's end and then for Brian uh, your end uh, is Sparks. Cause oh they're, okay. Because they're in uh, the Valley Girl soundtrack pretty predominantly. Uh, yep. Uh, but it never really registered and I think when, when we actually just started hanging out, uh, you had it all the time and like all over the map like they're not their whole discography, but it was a good chunk of it. And so you got like the, the earlier stuff and the, at that time, the newer stuff. And so it kind of just absorbed there. So now anytime a Sparks song comes on, uh, I'm like, Oh, I think I heard that the first time at Brian's house or I was, we were driving yeah, around in Brian's brilliant. car. They're, they're still making music. They had a song back in 2006 called Dick Around. That was amazing. They, yeah, uh, I remember they that one. recently did a super group with Franz Ferdinand um, they call they call them FFS. I remember that one too. Um, I think you sent yeah, me so the link for that. Actually, they just never stop. Don't never stop. Don't you stop. Me. Don't you stop. Okay, wait, wait, stop, stop the whole podcast, uh, listener. This is Brian. Uh, this is the moment where Chris's mic went dead when we were recording, and we were. Re- recorded everything else totally unaware of this fact so uh as a result we put chris in a timeout for ruining all of our hard work and preparation and sorry it was a magnificently huge error on our part and now chris is not allowed to touch any of the shiny buttons ever again and what we're going to do instead we have an experimental ai that uh we we have it just for this kind of occasion and we don't have a whole lot of faith in any of ourselves so we're going to use Chris's AI bot. All of his missing audio is going to be integrating using an algorithm that anticipates what it what Chris would say. We have this enhanced voice technology. We're going to make some lemonade out of our lemons here. And honestly, we don't think you're going to be able to tell the difference. So enjoy the remainder of our show with the Chris bot. You've made me sentient. Did I? Oh, good. Yes. <laughs> So um, let's do that. So the, the music that you guys got me into that I was going to call it. So Eric, for you, it was actually Dark Side of the Moon. Huh. Um, I had, I mean, I had enjoyed, you know, you couldn't escape Floyd, especially like have a cigar or whatever on the radio out here. But, but really, I'd never taken that in as an album. When I moved to California in 94... Uh, the night before I left, you came over and you gave me a copy of Dark Side on CD, and uh, just I, I've gone like deep down the Floyd hole since then. But, yeah, uh, I think the were thing you, with were you with us when we went to the Division Bell show in '94? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, know I think I saw them the the on the last tour, and I was like, yeah, I think I've had enough of 
old fat Pink Floyd. But I, yeah, I love that <laughs> album. It's one of the best put together albums of all time. But the only thing with Pink Floyd, I would say to anyone is you got to like them despite their fans because the fans are just the typical dummy, like, you know, soft metal assholes. The, their music is better than the people who listen to it. Absolutely agreed. And I am I am one of those people that fully appreciates the post-Roger Waters Floyd, except for The Endless River a couple of years ago, which was just garbage. Mm. That was like outtakes. I think I went in the other direction and I got like really into more into the Roger Waters solo continuation of boy, isn't life shit kind of thing that he does. I'm like, (laughs) I can get into that because you know what, Roger, you're right. Life is shit. Let's let's let's, you know, let's wallow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm more interested in Roger Waters today. He's still out there touring. Mm-hmm. Um, than than I was at the time. I mean, Amused to Death was good. I didn't really like um, the Radio Chaos. Didn't do it for me at all. I gotta. But maybe we can end this with. I'll send you the recording. I I have one, an acoustic of him doing um, uh, Lunatics. That that's that's really pretty. But because it, it's acoustic. So. Chris, the thing I was going to call out from you, and let's face it, you're you're one of the musical fountains in our circle of friends, but the one that you got me with was They Might Be Giants. I hadn't really... Really? ...cottoned to them until... Yeah. I think Anna Ang was the one... That, that album, the second album, was the one that you kind of shoved under my face. Well, I don't think I shoved it in your face. That's just entirely rude. Um, maybe just introduce you to it. Let's go with that. I don't know why you're being so confrontational. No, Flood. Flood was the Watershed album. Yeah, Flood. Is that the one that has, like, the 10-minute long song of, like, almost throwaway 30-second songs? Because I can't remember what that was, but every time it comes on, I piss myself laughing. Fingertips. Okay. That's the last 18 tracks on Apollo 18. <laughs> or 19, or 20, or 21, 22. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I laughed so easily. So, uh, full disclosure, there there were definitely times when a lot of us were tripping balls, and there was a CD changer in the room. Allegedly. And uh. Allegedly, yeah. And the CD changer had on it, in addition to Alice in Chains' Dirt album, had Apollo 18. Which meant that it was whole thing was on random, so you'd be like getting this just wall of like angry sound, and then followed up by something got to hold in my hand. You know. Really talk about Sammy Dan in a minute. I really need to talk about Sammy Dan before Eric brings that up. Please pass the milk, please. Please pass the milk, please. I gotta say that okay for me that's where I don't know if it was you or if it was uh, the cock of the walk Shane who was into Steely Dan but that's where I really got into Steely Dan and I'd never thought about them I was like okay Ricky don't lose that number is a good song whatever but because of the box set coming out that year and it being on that changer all the time I was like these guys are fucking amazing amazing and they are they still work. I mean, that's Steely Dan is just incredible. Little uh, trivia for you: uh, Steely Dan is also a dildo. So when you say you listen to Steely Dan and like it, you say you listen to a dildo and like it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A dildo. Steely Dan. 
Now, I still have that box set, and I, I, I listen to it just all the fucking time. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess that's probably where the Michael McDonald thing comes from, too, because he's the backup singer on a lot of their songs. He's also a doobie <laughs> brother. <laughs> yeah, I, I think of Steely Dan as another band that I like despite the fans, because the people who like Steely Dan, I think, are like baby boomers who... Are baby boomers, you know, that's the that's a sin in and of itself. Double negative. And the music is actually way better than them. Because Steely Dan music is really they're all about losers. If you listen to the lyrics, it's all about people who are just sort of drifting through life and life kinda sucks and they're they're grifting their way through it. And the people who like it are baby boomers who made six figure incomes and are now retired. So Donald Fagan and Todd Rundgren le- released a song like this week. This week, it's called "The Man in the Tinfoil Hat." It's about Trump. <laughs> it sounds just like Steely Dan. Oh, I gotta listen for that then. Topical, very topical. Rundgren was also in a band called Utopia, which is sort of yeah. a Cars ripoff, but not entirely. Good songs though. Oh, I don't know him. I. Uh, oh, and and and. Kruger, you got me into uh, Depeche Mode. I, I totally didn't care about Depeche Mode. They were that crappy electronic band that all of the sad, pale kids were into. And then uh, you got me to listen to Violator, and I was like, "Ooh, yeah, this is good." So, thank you for that. Yeah. Oh boy, I was I was like the worst person to be around that like that whole period of time from like 1988 to 1991. I was just a miserable piece of shit. <laughs> Yeah, but you were great miserable. You were you were perfect miserable. I mean, the the say anything moment is is, is forever in my mind. Is one of the most brilliant things that has ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> oh yeah. I uh, you I I went with Brian to see say anything, and as we're watching it, he keeps leaning over, go, "This part's so true." This part is so. This is just the way it happens. This is so true. This part, and I fuck me. And now, and then I like afterwards. I saw you guys. I was like, I don't know. I think I think Brian's pretty fucked up because we wouldn't see say anything, and he kept like nudging me and saying this part's so true. This part. And then you bust up and you're like, we saw the movie with him last week, and he did all of that. It was a repeat performance. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think I was just like a skipping record. I was just stuck. <laughs> well, we don't hold it against you, Brian. That's for sure. And we're still telling the story. It is true. And uh, no, I, I'll I'll take it one step further. Do it. I don't even know if she realizes there's a reference to "It's So True," but when we watch our wedding video, <laughs> she actually says those words. It's <laughs> all so true. <laughs> oh, there goes a kidney. Maybe alone. So uh, I win. You win the internet, Brian. Congratulations. And let me just say, when you watch Say Anything, if anyone watches Say Anything, my biggest criticism of that movie was always, you know what, everything right up to the breakup is absolutely believable. Everything from the breakup to the end where they get back together is absolute science fiction. And I take it back because Brian had the miserable breakup and now he's married to her, so shit works out. It's just, it takes 20 years is the thing. Yeah. So that same trip to Tucson, and this this would maybe be a good final topic for this, um, is one album that, that changed your life. And for me, that trip to Tucson was 
Uh, you called it Depeche Mode with balls, Chris, but it was Pretty Hate Machine by Nine Inch Nails. That that fucking thing came out in 89 and just rewrote my whole brain. And I'm like, industrial music, where do I get more? Where do I get more? I, I went to the record store in L.A. and I'm like, dude, where do I get more of this? And they're like, uh, we don't really have that but how about like Knights of Reb and Front 242 go that route and that that was like me going down the industrial path for a long time. That's so Fonte I've never told anyone this before but when I was 15 I briefly listened to Christian rock music like Striper I'm just going to throw that out there continue. Now wait what's the theme of this this topic point where it's it's good road music Good road music, or is it like? Oh, it's an album that like, changed of... changed your life, or like really was impactful. Hmm. Uh. Something that just came out of nowhere in Florida. Like I don't know. For me, that was pretty hate machine. I guess the one that keeps coming back, the one that keeps paying off, and I'm not sure which one of you guys uh, found it first, but I only found it because of you. And now I kind of secretly judge people on whether or not they've listened to and enjoyed uh, uh, Negative Land. Um, yes. Escape from noise. It's like if you don't know, or you do know and you don't understand, escape from noise. I don't think we can be friends anymore. I mean, you cannot know it, but then you have to hear something and like be okay with it. Sound was used for centuries as a method of torture. Place someone's head inside of a bell and ring it. They'll go insane. So it was Jonathan L. is who it was. Now, so here's the thing. Like, so there was KUKQ, which was the AM alternative station in like the early '90s in Phoenix. And there was a DJ Jonathan L. And he would play yellow, yellow black, black, and rectangular, and, uh, just yellow, coming off black, a commercial break with no lead in. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so that's what led me to Escape from Noise. Well, I also, in addition to Striper, listened to a band called Petra, uh, which was very much uh, like an Oreo Speedwagon-y, uh, Def leopard kind of thing. Um, yeah, but do you know how many time zones there are in the Soviet Union? What? Eleven. Because I'm saying eleven. 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 Yeah, and Joe, Joe Rice was also in I don't know. Who? If he came to it through us or or what, but he's he went pretty far down that hole too, and was into the helter stupid and all of that. <laughs> Joe was a friend that we had that we uh, lost touch with. Yeah, I think Negative Land is you know they they they're definitely art that is unappreciated, but uh, Escape from Noise is their crowning achievement. Just like this podcast is ours. Discuss. I will totally agree, Chris. You got any any landmark albums in your? backlog uh, i think we've already talked about striper uh and petra and my brief flirtation with christian rock uh so i would just like to go on record and say that um it was a cross between boston and def leppard maybe a little genesis in asia uh, but definitely mm-hmm. um sounds like it was produced by mutt lang this band called petra um you won't know any of the songs uh, but i urge you to go check them out we also would be remiss if we didn't call out the pixies i remember we saw them 
on Mill Avenue in a tiny, like the Hayden Square. It was an amazing show, a tiny venue. Yeah, that was a good show. That was a good show. You can't beat the Pixies. Um, Eric missed that party. Yeah, but Eric, you said you saw them recently, didn't you? Yeah, a couple of years ago on their reunion thing. I uh, Was Frank Black? Yeah, I was pissed I never got to see them. What? Was Frank Black and Kim Deal, were they both in that show? No, no, they... Uh, oh, boo. That sucks. Because apparently she was like, yeah, I'll tour with you. Because she did, she did some touring with them. But she didn't want to record any new stuff with them because I think, you know, she's Kim Deal. She can she can do her own shit and you know be fine. So they had the replacement bass player. They were still good, but yeah, their new stuff is nothing really to write home about. I I remember hating, you know, like oh I still I still fucking loathe the band U2, but one of the reasons <laughs> was because I had always said they broke up the Pixies by getting them to open for them. And I look back now, and I'm like, nah, the Pixies broke up the Pixies, because Trumplemon was kind of shit. I think they were done. <laughs> if you get past the first couple of albums, you can see they just ran out of gas. But those those first three albums were fucking the best music. I'm a bossa nova man myself. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a dude little man. That's the one that I cut my teeth on. Uh, and that's the one I enjoy. But Surfer Rose is good, too. They also have a rarities and B-sides that they put out that's really worth listening to because of all of the, mm-hmm. you know, sort of demos and, you know, live tracks and really good stuff. Is it really good? Because you just said Trompelmon was crap. I don't believe you. Yeah. You know? And if I ever get that Amazon reseller account, I'll put links to this on our blog, and then we'll make all kinds of money. No, we won't. Yeah. For all the people who are listening, <laughs> and they've definitely listened this long, because this has been, you know, maybe not as exciting as I was hoping it would be. But um, I think that about does it. Any la- any closing thoughts? This has been so fonte. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. This has been the Magnificently Huge Podcast, Episode 5. We'll, we'll do something better next time. Thanks. Goodbye, all you people. There's nothing you can say. Make me change my mind Goodbye